Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When the train you're late for is also late, when a stranger is prepared to lend you their phone charger, knowing today will come to an end eventually. There are a million things I'm thankful for, but what is my guest thankful for today? I was traumatised, absolutely traumatised, and I went into the kitchen, made myself a cup of tea, and I text my friend, and she's like, I've just accidentally smiled at David Cameron, and straight away he wrote back, you prick. Welcome to Thanks A Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneak peek at my guests' gratitude list to find out the people, places and things that have shaped their lives. My guest today is Cash Carraway. She's written plays, published books and you'll soon be seeing her work on telly. The biggest to date has been Skint Estate, her first memoir about her time as a single mum couch surfing across London and doing some seedy things for Cash. It's an incredible story, the kind we don't hear very often, which is exactly why we're going to see Cash today. I'm out of breath, I'm so unfit, it's not right. Hey, my name's Cash Carraway. I'm the author of Skin to State and general filth connoisseur. <laughs> I like to consider my writing to be gonzo from the gutter because um, well, it's just dirty, really. So yeah, that's what my book's about. Cash Carraway, I'm so happy to be sitting opposite you right now. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Can we speak, first of all, before we get into our thank yous about your book, Skin to State, a memoir of poverty, motherhood and survival. First of all, it's being adapted into a TV series. Is that right? I'm so excited. I mean, amazing. It's it's unbelievable. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought I was just going to write a little bit about my life and that would be the end of it but yeah making a tv series so you and billy piper starring billy piper yeah fabulous i know she's just absolutely amazing she completely gets the book yeah she read it in new york in a day okay and yeah we had a meeting and she said let's do it let's turn it into a tv show so now i've got to write eight episodes easy yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it was it was a kind of really under the radar book because they found a blog that I wrote um, Penguin Random House about being poor about going to food banks so that was how you were making some of your income in in recent years was writing for different publications about your current position well I mean you say making a living not really yeah not really um I was I was I was writing a blog which was making no money I mean about 10 people read it it was just lucky that someone from Penguin Random House stumbled across it so yeah um but yeah I mean I was right I was writing for theatre and getting the odd commission here Mm. and there but making a living that's that's a stretch. stretch yeah so how were you making a living well, <laughs> I've worked in um, the sex industry for pretty much since I was a teenager. Uh, I started when I was 15, working in a clip joint in Soho. Do you know what a clip joint is? No. Clip joints are like fake strip clubs, basically. Okay. And I'm not, I'm, not, like, I'm not proud of working in the situation because it is it's illegal. Mm-hmm. But it's what I did to survive. And I was a teenager and I was just really drawn to that 
seedy underworld, mm-hmm. there'd be a girl on the door, that girl was me, and you lure men, usually tourists, okay. inside of the club. Um, club, I use mm-hmm. quotation marks because there's no club. Mm-hmm. Um, and under the premise of either having sex or seeing naked ladies. Okay. And once they get downstairs, it's just an empty room and they order a drink and either the bill will come and the bill will be like a couple of grand for a Diet Coke because these places were unlicensed so they couldn't serve alcohol so they'd get a Diet Coke and or, or they'd order a vodka and coke and it would be a coke, a coke. really cheap like Sainsbury's own brand coke. Right. <laughs> not even Pepsi <laughs> and they would get this bill or if they refused to pay the bill they would get threatened by the bouncers some like mafia guy would come out and take them down to a cash point and make them withdraw it's a shakedown basically yeah I mean, it's a full on mugging yeah. basically okay. and then I'd get a couple of quid so a cut not as much as I should have got really yeah. but uh, you know any you know money is money and cash yeah cash indeed and then from there you moved on to peep shows yeah well actually um peep shows was later on peep, okay. sh- peep shows is when I lost it right so, <laughs> okay when I lost my looks so I was so I'd, I worked in like the traditional strip clubs in my 20s yeah and in it, Soho as well in Soho so I worked at the windmill I worked at Spirit Rhino okay. Sophisticats um, string fellows for a bit all the high-end clubs you yeah. know top of my game good woman and um, yeah and it wasn't a career as such I always I was always dabbling in the writing and I was in various terrible bands and trying to you know working in theatre trying to get plays made and mm-hmm. wasn't but wasn't very dedicated I was kind of I was into the drink and the drugs and the money mm-hmm. and um, when I was pregnant with my daughter that's when I worked in a Soho peep show. Okay. And I was very adamant that it was a step down, <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, there's no kind of auditions for peep shows. Okay. So it was... So what, did you feel a bit disappointed that it was a step down? Or it was a step back? Well, I mean, as I said, it wasn't a career, so it's not like yeah, I was yeah. kind of like, oh, well, I was almost going to be CEO here. You know, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was just a case of, you know, I had to make some money. Yeah. I did try and get a job in a call centre, but... If you've got strip clubs all over your CV, mm-hmm. not not going to go down well, is yeah. it? So, and if you hide that, then you've been you've got no, unemployed. Yeah, for obviously, a I didn't write on my CV. Oh, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> ten years at, at the windmill in Soho, <laughs> dancing on men. <laughs> um, duties include being responsible for getting men drunk <laughs> and luring them into seeing you naked. You know, that's not going to go down well in a, a call centre. But also, there's part of me that finds that very. In, you know it's an interesting way to to live your life I don't know any other pregnant women who've worked in a peep show so it used to be a pound but when I was working it was two quid yeah two quid and you get like 15 seconds of woman so for, for a little peep hole that's pretty good rate isn't it so if they so does that mean you know in order to get a minute well they're, they're wanking the and they're on oh him. Jesus okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right, so they're actually... And can you see them do that? Well, you can see the eyes. And that's what always really intrigued me, is you can, like, they're just looking intently at your body. Right. Sorry, is this all right to say? Is yeah, it, please. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. yeah, I don't want like, to no, bring, no, no. bring your I podcast want, well, that's what I, well, I certainly want to know, like, the mechanics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd see, you'd see these eyes. And, you know, the eyes are kind of 
banging against the kind of thin window as they're really going for it and then there'll be a little pause as they might stumble around for some more cash you hear the tissue the tissue box um you know they're getting ready to come and then um you'll see the eyes just roll back and then shut and then next can they see you seeing them they can see that you can see their eyes okay i mean all you can see is their eyes and it's a blacked out room behind them so, I mean, it is, it's quite creepy. Actually. So is it you literally looking in... in... I'm looking into their eyes, yeah. just dance, getting naked. Oh, wow. But they, pl- okay. they played the same song constantly. What was it? It was Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves by Cher. And it just pa- it played on rotation. Oh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of maddening. Also, because I was pregnant, I didn't really care. Like, I knew the men would wank, regardless of what I was doing. So sometimes I'd just be there reading a book or writing or puking into a bin <laughs> or you know just you know having terrible morning sickness having a nap and they would just do their thing and they just just have a wank but they don't care it's, it's not about the possibility of you to no yeah. no it's no i don't think so i mean well it's, it's say that some men did get quite attached and like send yeah. gifts and stuff so what kind of gifts a pram oh wow got a pram it's quite a thoughtful gift it was very, yeah, it was a bugaboo as well. No yeah, way. Nice, yeah, brand new bugaboo. Fancy. Yeah, I know. I felt like proper yummy mummy. So after you had your daughter, was there an immediate, okay, that, that part of my life is over? No, because I had to survive yeah. still. So I guess the reason that peep shows don't exist anymore is because webcams exist. From when my daughter was born became a juggle of different trades. Yeah. Um, kind of... Um, branched out into psychic webcams okay as you do so does that mean you're telling my fortune over a webcam or am I a, a guy having a moment while you read you my fortune you know what fortune? once that happened that did happen once that yeah mostly mostly it is just women mainly okay um one in a, uh, a reading tarot reading and c- could you can you read tarot do I have the gift yeah Ofs. <laughs> I'm Irish <laughs> do you have the gift or do you just have the gift of the gab I have the gift of the gab okay yeah yeah oh God, which is the gift in itself is crashing right now I'm not now. saying I was a charlatan I'm not saying that there isn't <laughs> yeah. uh, there isn't people out there who can really read into yeah, the okay. future I'm really I'm, hopeful that I'm not I can't do, do your reading right now okay okay um, maybe after <laughs> <laughs> but my um, my uncle claims to be a psychic and he right. um, tours around the spiritual churches of um, Greater Manchester right and uh, 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 his gift is dubious but okay um, but you know people, people sell like it, it with conviction yes yeah, yeah exactly and that's the same with the psychic webcam as well but psychic webcams don't pay as well as sex cams okay if I'm honest yeah um, so yeah so I was yeah that's pretty much I mean even when I was writing the book I was cash pigging. What's cash pigging? You don't know what cash pigging is. I'm so naive. This is hideous. I'm <laughs> so like being awesome. educated right now. <laughs> cash pigging. Cash pigging is when your, your listeners are going to think I'm truly <laughs> disgusting. Go on. But um, cash pigging is when men pay you to call them pigs and abuse them. Easy, no? So easy. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. So yeah, you just you just have to kind of. And do you have to do it physically, or you're just like you are a trash bag, piece of shit. Give me two hundred and fifty pounds now. Yeah. Can I get into this? <laughs> I, I'll, inter- I'll make some introductions. Oh <laughs> I help you set up a site. So that's that is how I was living as I was writing the book. Mm-hmm. So I only I've only not been doing that for about eight months. Wow. 
so yeah so when I when I finished the book yeah everything changed yeah everything changed I get an, I get Ubers now yes. <laughs> I get an Uber yes. no it's, it's weird so it's like this true. time last year you could not get a place to rent for any longer than six months and one of the things that really stuck out for me possibly because I'm Irish but it was the idea that single mothers are a group that are kind of being cast aside in the way and this is with respect to getting somewhere stable to live for you for you and your your daughter in the way you know those signs no dogs no black no Irish back in the day and now you have credit checks which kind of mean that you you're not allowed in if you you don't pass this if you're not on the you know books if you're not yeah I did link it to that in the yeah. book and uh, I just I think that the, yeah I do I do find it like massively discriminatory yeah but this time last year we were living in a council flat mm-hmm. in Kent we'd been like socially cleansed out to this place that was in the middle of nowhere and I'm a Londoner yeah. you know I've never I've, I've you know London is is in my blood mm-hmm. and yeah so we were in this place where I, I can't drive never learned to drive we were in the middle of nowhere, could no supermarkets for miles, no, you know, there was like a little village shop and that was it, no jobs, absolutely no jobs. So when people say get a proper job, you know, webcamming and cash pigging mm-hmm. <laughs> was a proper job because there was no jobs for miles. Yeah. And, and the estate that we were living on was actually uh, lots of people who had been moved out of London and uh, kind of dumped. It was almost like a wasteland. Okay. And, you know, yes, we all got homes but without the opportunities of jobs there was there was no there was no way that you could live apart from being on benefits forever and that's how that kind of happens that's how these sink estates occur I hate the term sink estate but that's how that kind of rough it's it's almost like a place of obscurity Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of hidden from view and left to rot and that's that's how those hopeless kind of totally hopeless and you know you find a life within that and you find happiness within that, but it's not a happiness that allows you to kind of progress out into the further, further out into the world. My daughter's life would be really different if we stayed there. Yeah. She wouldn't have the opportunities that she has in London. So I'm lucky to have been able to get out, but that's, that's where we were um, last year. And then the year before that, we were in a refuge. Mm-hmm. So like two, I always kind of look back two years ago, wow, like I'm so grateful for how everything has panned out but that's not most people most people don't get these opportunities mm-hmm. you know like the 8 million working people 8 million people in work who can't afford to feed themselves or can't afford to cover their rent without the help of universal credit yeah. Something, 2 million single mothers 2 million single mothers 4 million children yeah. in poverty 4 million children in poverty and you know most don't get to write books and TV shows and sit talking to you in this lovely office. You know, mate, that's not normal. So, you know, I'm aware, I'm aware of how lucky I am. Fast forward to today, sitting in this lovely office. What are you thankful for today, Cash? I am thankful for today, the TV series Succession. Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children. I know I've made mistakes, but I've always tried to do the best by them because I love them. I called up my best friend last night and I said, I think it might be better than The Sopranos. 
Have you thought about the possibility that your children are actually scared of you? Oh, fuck off. A typical prestige HBO drama. The writing is impeccable. There's a scene where Kieran Culkin, Macaulay's brother, takes a wank. Oh my God, how many times, he, how many times have I said wank? <laughs> it's it's, here. It is, it is. <laughs> <Just> cut it. <laughs> um, Kieran Culkin takes a wank in his office overlooking New York City. And I just thought, this is my kind of TV show. It's it's immense. Is it like a graphic moment, or are you just seeing his eyes? Oh, you don't see his eyes. <laughs> you you see you see the back of him as okay. he's jerking, and then and then it cuts to um, him wiping his spunk off the window. It's really gross, wow. but it's it's weird because it's it's not a lowest common denominator TV show. It's highbrow and many levels. It's about like a Murdoch-style family and all the kind of corruption that happens within that world. The lead is a guy called Jeremy Strong. He's this kind of put upon son. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's kind of caught up in this elitist world. Because right. I am completely obsessed with TV. I didn't watch TV when I was writing the book. I didn't watch anything. Because you didn't have time. Or yeah. you were just like, I need a pure mind. I think, actually, I was quite mad at the time when I was writing it. Was, I wrote it in like a three-month window whilst living in like, with, with like serious mental illness. I was, I was in a really, really bad state when I wrote it. I think it comes out in the book, which is fair enough. But um, I didn't watch any TV, so now I'm kind of catching up. The thank you next. So this is maybe a chapter in your life that you've moved on for. Maybe while you were in it, it was yeah. awful, but you're thankful it happened. Or maybe you're just thankful it's over. Yeah, I've got, I've got a good one for you. It's a bit dark. Okay, that's all right. Um, Going to get all meaningful. Can we play some like sad music? Some Westlife, you raise me up or something. <laughs> Don't even <laughs> laugh. I was singing to that last week. <laughs> you? Why? At Hyde Park. <laughs> Radio 2, actual Westlife. Actual I introduced West- them onto the stage. Did you? Yeah. It was oh, quite wow. a moment for me. I'm not going to lie. Even though I wasn't really a fan, it was my sister who was a fan, my right. younger sister. But it was still kind of like peak Irish. It's such a, it's so peak Irish. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> something holy will be good. So, um, I am an alcoholic, uh, recovering alcoholic. And um, two years ago, I had this massive relapse. I was in like a a bad relationship and I had to get out of it. I started drinking again. And it kind of, um, me and my daughter went to a refuge. We lived in like eight different places in the space of a year. I was drinking massively seriously like undiagnosed mental illness suicide attempt mental breakdown and I didn't ever see a way out of it actually this kind of crosses over with the period in which I was writing Skin Estate so when you're living in that madness and writing in that madness it kind of erupts I couldn't see a way out of the bad housing situation. I couldn't see a way out of poverty. I couldn't see a way out of alcoholism. And my daughter got really sick. And we were living in the middle of nowhere where there's no transport. I write about it in my book. When I got my first advance, I put some money away in an envelope, in a drawer, because I knew that if something went wrong we wouldn't be able to get to a hospital 
in an emergency because I can't drive. Okay. I think when you're living in with severe mental illness, you're quite paranoid, aren't you? You think in a bigger way than mm-hmm. a normal kind of person does. And I'd, I'd worked out that an ambulance, getting an ambulance to where we lived and then back to the hospital, I'd be losing an hour okay. of time. It was it was like a massive obsession. It was it was all I could think about. So I'd saved this fifty pounds to get a taxi in the event of an emergency and we got to the hospital and she was seen straight away and they said we're going to have to blue light her to a more specialist hospital because we we can't deal with it it. you know I'm thinking well thank god I saved that 50 quid you know that was wasn't a waste of money you know that's because I didn't realize that she was you know you don't you you're not your, your mind isn't catching up yeah, with the yeah. situation you're in and she was still well at this point and they hadn't given like a diagnosis or anything like we're just going to need to blue light her that's what happens with children and then when we were in the ambulance she started kind of deteriorating quite quickly uh, we got to the hospital and thankfully they um, put her on the IV drip and I wrote the last chapter of my book whilst she was like in this hospital she was off school for like two months and it was just one of those moments I thought i I have to turn everything around. I have to get help. I can't. I can't be drinking. I can't be living out here. I can't. I need to find this. This has to end. This has to end now. And thankfully, I'm sober. <laughs> I'm sober because. Well done. Thank you. But it's 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 like such a long journey back. I think people don't quite understand that when you fall off that wagon, and I've I've been an addict all my life, and I've. I went to my first AA meeting when I was 19 and I've had periods of sobriety and I've had periods of using Mm. and looking back at that period I mean it was two years two years of disorder and severe mental illness and it's almost like looking back and it's it's not even me but it's you know obviously I know that it is Mm. but I'm so thankful that I'm out of that because some people don't ever get out of it, but it was, it was, I had some things that worked in my favor. I had, you know, my daughter getting very sick. That kind of, that's one of those things that kind of jolts you up straight away. But I was lucky that it was mixed with getting paid from my book and my book coming out Mm -hmm. because I could see another version of that life where, okay, my daughter got sick and I got sober for a few months. But then you don't have the other things to back you up. You don't have the finances. You don't have the support. You don't have the um, road out. I the road out, yeah. And if you without that road out, I think I probably could still be doing that. You know, so I'm so grateful. Like there's, there's, there's. I, I cannot say how grateful. I cannot. Words don't do it justice. Mm. You afraid you could go back there? Yeah. I think I think all addicts have that. I think I go to meetings most days. Always pop into an A meeting, and yeah. my sponsor makes me write gratitude lists every day. Oh, really? Yeah, it's such a nice thing. Yeah. Things inevitably go wrong mm. in life, and regardless of your position, just to write down, you know, I'm I'm so grateful that my daughter's well. I'm so grateful that you know we have a nice home. You know, it's just those little things. Just seeing it on paper every day. It just reminds me how lucky I am. That's a hopeful story, I think, not a sad story. But you'll put the uplifting music on the right? Of course. <laughs> a nice little jingle at the end.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The thank fuck for this. Thank fuck for this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has to be music. I think the theme so far has been obsession. I think, I think we can we can see I'm a pretty addictive yeah. <laughs> type person, and I I, I do believe, I am one of those people that does think that like music saves your life. Mm. I'm there's there's two bands in particular that I am particularly in love with and have been since a very young age. I'm I'm just going to write one of them on this page here to see if if I'm right. It's not Westlife. No no no. It's not it's Daniel not, O'Donnell. It's not him either. Okay, go. I could be totally wrong. Um, suede and the replacements. Oh, who was shit. it? Who was it? It was the Cure. The, do you know what I like? I, I, I do like the Cure. They're okay. all right. They're okay. okay. Why is that? Well, because I, I don't look know. a bit gothic, like a tiny bit. <laughs> I look like a Cure fan. I was like, I am a big Cure fan, and I feel like I don't necessarily look like one. But I no. just thought maybe there was a. I don't know. Yeah, I, I got right. it wrong. Okay, let's move on. I, I, did you see their Glastonbury performance? Yeah. Did you like it? No. It was a bit lame, wasn't it? It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, but I did see them in um, the summertime thing last year and they were amazing live. So right. I wonder if you just So it was just a there. bad show. Just a bit awkward looking, isn't he, in it? Yeah. Like, oh my God, he's still got the pipes, but just... He just didn't seem like he was enjoying it very much. No. I think after Stormzy, everyone it, looked a bit lame in comparison. 100%. You're like, actually, these throwback acts feel a bit yeah. dead on their arse. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because yeah. he was just something so fresh and new. And, and he's brilliant, of course. Yes. So, yeah. so anyway, I ruined and totally kiboshed that story. Suede. <laughs> Suede. No, I, I, I fell in love with Suede as a 13-year-old. I remember seeing the video. Do you like Suede? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you. Have you, you ever know, interviewed Brad Anderson? No. You haven't? No. Ah, oh, damn. No. I was going to sneak in there and mm. become friends. I'll, ke- I'll, I'll keep you up. <laughs> if you ever interview Brad Anderson, <laughs> sneak me How along. How do you feel about West? I'm joking. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I've noted. I've made a mental note. You made a mental note. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I saw the video to Animal Nitrate on Top of the Pops mm-hmm. and it just awoke something in me. Probably sexual, yeah, okay. I think, because Brad Anderson was just this sexy boy girl but mm-hmm. I think that was the moment I became obsessed with music but also um, the video to Animal Nitrate it's shot on the Listen Grove estate that's um, just near St John's Wood okay yeah 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 and seeing a, a, a band like using the kind of like working class iconography to kind of make a statement it really like resonated with me and I think even in the song you know I think in the song I know the lyrics very well <laughs> he says um, he, he's, he talks about living in a council home and I'm just like no bands had done that yeah. and it kind of it, it kind of you know they were for me the introduction into Britpop mm-hmm. and that Britpop obsession that took over lots of teenagers during that period and you said that you were involved in bands I you, was like personally yeah I was in bands I wasn't very good uh, I went to the Brit school and Amy Winehouse was two years below me okay. so I was never gonna be a pop star mm-hmm. she kind of had do you that remember one her Vaguely, yeah, vaguely, yeah. I, was, I wasn't I um, was friends with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I used to see her 
out and about in Camden, both when, like, when, well, she was already Amy Winehouse by that by that point, but yeah. I was in failing bands, and deservedly so. It's not like, it's not some rock and roll story or this great band that didn't happen. We were terrible. So bad. <laughs> you found your calling now. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm a better writer than I am a rock star, <laughs> that's for sure. I was good at the drugs. Okay. Really good at... So the lifestyle suited you? I had, I had the lifestyle down. Mm. Yeah, I was perfect at that. The thank you that got away. David Cameron, obviously. <laughs> Enlighten me. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really like him. Yeah. Not a fan. Mm. Uh, we were recording our audiobooks in the same studio on the same day. This is only a few months ago. I'd been in the studio the day before doing, you know, doing the audio recording and, you know, nothing exciting was going on. But I walked in on the second day and there's all these, like, there's all security. Because, you know, like, once you've been prime minister, you get security for, for the rest life. of your life. Yeah. I mean, he needs it, to be fair. I'd, I'd say, yeah, out of everyone, Cameron needs it. So, yeah, there's all this security. And I'm like, what's, you know, what's going on here? And I walked in and, and I'm kind, kind of quite a smiley person. And when I walk in to a room I kind of like yeah just say hello you know just try and be a bit upbeat I think I do it because I'm quite like an awkward nervous person so it's like if I smile no one's gonna no one will kind of expect too much conversation because I've already kind of broken the ice by being quite smiley so I smiled and I realized I was smiling at this kind of pink-faced man in the corner a normal person I wouldn't have noted that it was only because I suddenly realized that I'd accidentally smiled at David Cameron and I was like oh what this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life this is awful how am I I've just smiled at David Cameron this is how has this happened I was betrayed yourself I was traumatized absolutely traumatized and I went into the kitchen made myself a cup of tea and I text my friend I was like I've just accidentally smiled at David Cameron and straight away he wrote back, you prick. <laughs> and I'm like, I've got to redeem myself. I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got to say something. And, and of course, I wouldn't go up to someone and say something horrible or malicious. That would, you know, that would be completely pointless. But I thought, I need, I need to let him know that my book wouldn't exist because of him. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Um, went back out into the canteen and he'd disappeared and I was like, no, 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 what am I going to do? And I'm going around going, where's David Cameron? Where's David Cameron? It's a mad woman. And they were like, oh, he's in, in the studio. And I was like, well, you know, is, is he coming back out? I don't know, he'll be back later. So I went up to the studio and I had a spare copy of my book. And I thought, right, the second best thing I can do here to redeem myself is to write a message to him, give him a copy of my book and write a message to him. So I wrote, dear Dave. Dave. Casual. Mm-hmm. Nice. We're, we're acquainted by this cool. point yeah Whatever. yeah i've already smiled at him so mm-hmm. it's casual terms and i under underline the word poverty um dear dave but big arrow to poverty i couldn't have written this book without you love cash no kisses and one of the studio assistants said oh, I'll give I'll give it to him I was like no but will you make sure that he definitely gets that book because he needs to know mm-hmm. she's like yeah yeah I'll, I'll get the book to him so I don't know I don't know if he has it I've, I've given the book to him uh, but I haven't got to say thank you face to face I think it's always the way you 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 have this amazing epiphany when they've left like what w- what would you have said to him had you 
if I'd had if, the opportunity. If I'd had the opportunity to sit down with him yeah. in the canteen. Do you know what? I don't think I would have something intelligent to say. I think that's why it's, it was quite lucky. Yeah. I think that happened for a reason. Um, but I think if we were to come face to face, and I, I think we probably will because we're both doing Cheltenham Literature Festival next week and he's on just before me. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a crossover there. I think I would say something along the lines of, of how, you know, this book was written because of what you did. Mm-hmm. And I would really like you to know what it's like out there. And I don't think he would probably take it on board because I don't think people like that generally do. So, so I think I think it would it would just be like, would would you have a read of this? Because I think this might explain to you why people are so angry towards you. You but prick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably how it would end. You know, I'm trying to pretend to you that I'm this like calm, considered person, but yeah, I'd probably get all flustered and and, and start stumbling and swearing. You know, I, like I think it. that's the what moral would high ground. The big thank you. Uh this is actually I might cry because I haven't actually got to say thank you to this group of women. And I'm so desperate to, but it's just been it's been impossible to. One of them is Jess Phillips, the MP Jess Phillips, and I sent her a copy of my book because I do talk about it in the book. Uh, when me and my daughter were living in a refuge, this is back in 2017, the ceiling crashed in in the refuge that we we're living in, and rendered me and my daughter and all the other women in the refuge homeless. Mm. The council tried to separate us, all the women in the refuge. We'd all kind of like built this like amazing alliance with each other. We were all helping each other. We'd got settled into the local area and we were like a team. And the council tried to move us out of the borough and we said no. We occupied the refuge. We found one room that was safe and we said we're going to stay here until you keep us together in the borough. I got word out via Twitter. Word out. Got word out. It sounds all dramatic, but we, you know, it's it's quite easy to get word out in this world, yeah. isn't it? And so we we put it on Twitter, and a group of women who I had never met, who I'd perhaps spoken to online, because I used to have a blog. What they did is they elevated our voices from you know we were pretty damaged women. We were all living in a refuge at the time. We had all recently escaped abuse. We were living in poverty. The ceiling had crashed down. We'd lost all of our belongings. And these group of strangers, I've only ever got to meet, I met one of them. And when I thanked her, she was so embarrassed. And that, that was insane to me. She was, she was just, don't, don't say it, don't say it. But, but what they did is they, they gave us a voice and they told our story. Like we were, we were like putting out snippets and they just kept pounding harassing people who they on the left people who thought that could help us and one of those people was Jess Phillips and she took a call a phone call from me really late at night and she said what do you need what can we do how can I help you and she wasn't our local MP she's just she it was like one of those like women fighting for women situations the fact that she took time I think it was a Sunday night you know she's got a family she's got a very pressured job and she spoke to me rambling down the phone like what's going to happen to us we've got nowhere to live we're unsafe we're in this refuge and thanks to her voice 
and to these strangers on the internet, we all got to stay in the borough and we all got to stay you know, close to our support networks and the lives that we were starting to um, build for ourselves. And I think it's so rare that you see that kind of solidarity. Well, it's, it's, it's a rare experience for me. Yeah. I would love to say thank you face-to-face to Jess because she went above and beyond. And she used her power for good. You know, it's like people with power you know, can often use it just for their own means. Yeah. And she cared about every single one of us in that refuge that night and straight away you know she straight away got onto the council and they were terrified of her which is formidable yeah. yeah she saved us for another day you know we were we were able to keep going it was our lives were still difficult and it was still difficult for the lives of the women that I was living with or the women that I had lived with in that refuge but it saved us in that moment and yeah that's I'm, I'm just so incredibly grateful to that I felt like it was quite a political moment when we were in the refuge and we were and we were occupying it and refusing to leave because we didn't want to be separated and we didn't want to be removed from London mm-hmm. and to have a uh, lots of the women were like oh you know politicians don't care politicians don't care about us and for a politician to care so directly and make it so personal that was you know using politics for good and everyone in the refuge benefited from that so yay (laughs) I didn't cry yay (laughs) almost (laughs) what is the best thank you that you've received I think I'm one of those people that finds it really difficult to accept thanks but when I was doing my play Refuge Woman lots of people would come up to me afterwards and say that's my story like I experienced that thank you that sound like I'm bragging by saying that I'm not at all it's it's just that connection I I think maybe I was voicing some things in that play that lots of women felt were ignored Mm -hmm. within like the media um, and in the public domain and to have people come up to me afterwards and say that bit there that that's me that's me or I know someone who had that exact same thing um, so thank you for saying it. So that's that's always nice. Yeah. That's that's always lovely. But I'm not I'm not bragging. I'm just I'm, <laughs> I can't I can't accept. You thanks. don't even sound like you're bragging, FYI. You don't need to rein it back oh, in. Good. It's like, but I do think that is the thing. It's like that that vulnerability that you show, that bravery. I think that's what people connect with. They're like, she's saying what I have kind of, you know, maybe hidden or been ashamed to say yeah. or whatever. And I think there's a real f- freedom and and yeah appreciation in seeing somebody bring into the open something that's been kind of kept quiet yeah yeah that is that is nice but then I do feel awkward when people come and say thank you for something like that because I don't own that story and I don't own the way that the story is told so I'm always kind of like thank you but you can do it as well you know it's not it's not just for me to tell Mm -hmm. so um, but anyway, anyone saying thank you when when someone someone sends me a thank you card, I get I get all red faced and awkward about it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those awkward. Are you the same? Chat to your therapist about that. Yeah, I think I need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, I don't. I don't know. I was going to say it's a very Irish thing, but I do think it's a kind of this t- discomfort with you know when people are really kind and really nice to you, yeah. and actually more comfortable with 
criticism or yeah whatever. Oh, criticism is I'm like whatever I don't Bring care it on, yeah, yeah. Just, it's like, oh, just whatever yeah but when when someone's actually been really nice even if someone sends me a nice tweet mm. I'm like what are you doing yeah. like we don't need to do that yeah so yeah yeah you're right therapist chat but soak it in yeah yeah. <laughs> wallow in that yeah you're right yeah. okay finally and this may be a like curveball as well your hashtag blessed moment not really hashtag blessed not, not like not like you know I'm going to Paltrow hashtag blessed yeah, yeah. you know for my morning turmeric latte which by the way I love so no judgment <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very blessed with that. That's good. Yeah. yeah I think I think it is like my life right now it is it is a bit hashtag blessed and again it's like I do have a sense of shame around that mm. because it has the transition was it wasn't even really a transition it was like poverty bang here and I'm writing a tv show and <laughs> it's it's what I'd always wanted to do and to be you know writing for Billy Piper is you know it's a dream and you know I get to meet like really amazing people and I get to sit in rooms, nice rooms, you know, not rooms that where the ceilings are falling in. And um, I think it's just not having that precarity, you know, it's just having that sense of normality and that lack of chaos. That is a real kind of hashtag blessed moment for me it does feel like even just walking here I'm like oh I'm walking to meet Angela it's lovely <laughs> and it's, it's just like it's just it's a bit hashtag it's a bit sickening actually <laughs> <laughs> but it's but I'm very I am grateful for it I'm not I, I don't expect this and I don't expect it to last forever either I'm not um I, I mean I try my best to keep it going on for as long as I can but you know I know the reality of the world is that you know things go up and things go down and that's just the way it is so you know next week could be the worst week of my life but then you kind of crawl your way back up again I actually and I think that's a kind of a hashtag blessed way of thinking isn't it like to have to to be able to think in that way kind of keeps you going yeah. so to know that you have the ability to get back up climb back up again mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so yeah I'm very lucky I am very lucky keep and... on climbing girl yeah it's <laughs> exciting oh. I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's yeah. been such a lovely chat. It's been lovely. Yes. Thank you. Good luck with the rest of the show. <laughs> Thanks <Seriously>. a million. <laughs> Do you use that one? I feel like Thanks you know that one from Galway. Well, I mean, it's very Irish, isn't yeah. it? It's very... Say it again without the H. Thanks. Oh, Jesus. She did it. She I'm went not, there. I'm not mocking you. You I'm, are. I'm Irish. I'm yeah, allowed... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't sound bloody Irish. <laughs> oh, no, no. You're going to start saying I'm a plastic paddy. <laughs> So much thanks to Cash Carraway. Her debut memoir, Skint Estate, is out now. If this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for this week, drop them to me with the hashtag thanksamilpod or at Angela Scanlon on all the usual places. Don't forget you can subscribe on any number of apps, including Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on your Google Home or Alexa device. It's very, very easy and it's for nothing. So do it immediately, if you don't mind. And if you're loving the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us find more people, some of whom are bound to be as sexy as you. Spread the word. Thanks again to Cash and to producer Matt Hale at Rethink Audio. And thank you for listening. Thanks a million. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 